Father, we praise you and exalt you today. And would you please just keep uh, driving that truth home to our hearts and our lives today. Give us deep gratitude, Lord. Um, you have been so gracious to us. King Jesus, you shed your blood to pay for our sin. You died for us. It is, um, it is an eternal truth that affects everything forever. And Lord, I, I, I pray in this room, those that know you, blood has been applied, Lord, that you would encourage hearts. And Lord, if there's any person or people in this room today that have never trusted you as Lord and Savior, would you come break through today and let this be a day of salvation for men and women and boys and girls all over this room. I pray none would leave here today without the blood of Jesus being applied. And Lord, thank you that it's your work as we believe and trust you you do the work of salvation. We receive you, and I pray that would happen in this room today. We love you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And, and I, I know you hear a, a, a song like that, and some of you want to preach. And, uh, and I just I get the privilege to follow that up today, asking you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. Let's look in the... New Testament at the letter 1st Thessalonians today and we are working our way through this letter in a series of messages that we take it verse by verse chapter by chapter and just say hey um, these believers were winning and we're looking to see how we win as believers, the Apostle Paul kept saying, do this more and more, do this more and more. We looked last week at how they were able to win, even in grief. And today we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we see how we can win even in God's judgment. Um, do you like uh, timelines? I'm fascinated by them. I, I'm fascinated by timelines. I, I would say... There are any history teachers in the room today? It would start your semester. This would have this would have helped me a lot. Love you as a history teacher. I didn't even know I needed it. Would be to just start with a timeline and just say it happened here in connection to this, in connection to this, in connection to this. One of the most fascinating uh, books that we have in our library at home. I brought. I think this is the largest book I've ever preached from or had while I was preaching. It goes back to, I guess, our homeschooling days with the kids. And, and uh, it's called The Time Chart History of the World. The Time Chart History of the World. Um, hey, Will, I'm going to call you out here just a second. Bring a buddy with you, and y'all come help me right here for just a second. A little, yes, sir, right here on the stage this morning. He looked at me and said, seriously? Seriously? Yes, seriously. All right. I, I need your help, okay? Now, we, we did this in the first hour, and we split time in half, all right? So, and I mean that, I tore it apart. I need you to go that way. Take, take a piece of it. All right, help me with your name. Jackson. Jackson. Yes, sir. You go that way. Let me get behind you. All right. Now, look at this. 
this is awesome. All right. What you've got in front of you is a timeline from the beginning of the world all the way to 2004. All right. <laughs> and and um, just the major events of the world just documented at when they how they fit with what kingdoms were connected what was going on in that kingdom and that rule and that monarchy all the way through right up to uh, leaders of different countries and presidents of the United States and it's just all documented here on this timeline now and I look at that I think wouldn't it be awesome if you could like somehow run it on out and say if you kept unfolding it you'd get out there to where you'd say and right there on the timeline is when Jesus returns and when the judgment of God will take place that would be fascinating to me all right guys y'all good luck all right I, I don't know uh, I need it one more hour so be gentle uh, with it so um <laughs> Just lay it right down there on the floor, all right? You're good. Now, we, um, when we talk about the, the return of Christ and the rapture of the church and the coming day of the Lord, there's something in me, and I bet there's something in you. There had to have been something in the Thessalonians where they, when they heard about it, the next thing they wanted to know was, well, when is it? When's it going to happen? Okay. And the Apostle Paul says, it's not about times and seasons. And the timeline according to the Apostle Paul, was not as important as the finish line. And he wanted to stress to them, don't get caught up in trying to figure out the exact time on the calendar when this is going to take place. But ready yourself so that whenever that time comes, you're ready to cross the finish line prepared to see him. And these verses that we have in 1 Thessalonians are meant to be used to encourage us. And we're given a task in light of Christ's return, in light of the judgment of God, to encourage one another until that day happens. Now, I want to ask you to do something with me if you're willing, and that would be to underline possibly highlight in your Bible two phrases they're significant because they identify the difference between these two passages of scripture uh, the we divide them this week by seven days uh, when the apostle Paul had this letter read to the believers in Thessalonica there was no break there was not a seven-day break between these verses there wasn't even a verse and chapter break between these verses. That, that was even added later. It was just a letter, but there are two significant phrases in these verses that show us the difference of what he's talking about. 
Last week, we looked at verses 13 through 18 in chapter 4, and he was dealing with how we win in grief, how we're able to win in grief. And he says, we can grieve with hope because we know Jesus. And the, 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 look at verse uh, 15. It says, for this we declare to you by word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. What I want you to underline, highlight, is that short phrase in verse 15, the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. And that is talking as we spoke last week, last week if you missed that we, you can all the digital ways are out there for you to listen to la- last week's message but this those were verses that spoke about in grief uh, there's the coming of the Lord and that's something to be encouraged by because believers who've already died and believers who are alive will be raptured up together caught up together and there'll be a reunion of all three groups Jesus those who died in Christ and those who are alive in Christ, that's talking about this coming of the Lord that gathers believers together. Now chapter 5. Look at verse 2. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The phrase I want you to underline or highlight is that short phrase in verse 2, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Of the Lord. Now, when you underline those verses and mark those verses, it is a it, it helps us to see this uh, the difference between the two verses. In some ways, they can all run together and think about your you're, you're talking about all the same moment or the same uh, event in time. But the first verses in the last part of chapter four, grief with hope. And then in chapter 5, speaking about the day of the Lord, speaks of judgment and how we can face the the coming judgment of God and be encouraged. The day of the Lord is where we focus this morning. That phrase is used both Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, the phrase, the day of the Lord, is used at least 17 times. In the New Testament, that phrase, the day of the Lord, is used four times. And then there are many times more where just the, uh, not the day of the Lord, but just the day is referred to. In all of those instances, the primary picture of the day of the Lord, Old Testament and New Testament is a reference to a, a, a period of time, an event in time of wrath and judgment from God being poured out on sin and those who reject and rebel against him. The day of the Lord, when you see that phrase, Old Testament, New Testament, they understood it. We're seeking to understand it today. It's talking about God's judgment, God's wrath, Him dealing with sin once and for all. Now, when you hear that the day of the Lord is coming, maybe you've uh, 
driven around, you've maybe seen an, a billboard that made you think about end times or, or the second coming of Christ or the, the judgment of God, the wrath of God. When you hear that the day of the Lord is coming, what is your emotional response to that? What happens in your heart today, sir, when you, when you hear me stand in front of you and raise this thought, there will be a day of judgment. There will be a day of God's wrath being poured out on sin and those who reject him and rebel against him. What do you think about when you think about end time events, God's wrath? Is it, is it amen or is it oh no? Is it um, come on, preacher, or is it hold on, not today? When you, when you, is, it, is it faith? Does faith rise up in you or does fear rise up in you? When we talk about the day of the Lord, if I stood before you today and I said, I want to speak to you today from Revelation, would there be anxiety rise up in you or would there be assurance rise up in you? Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica and he wants the believers to see that when he speaks of the day of the Lord, for those who know Jesus, it's an amen, a come on, my faith is strong, I have the assurance of my salvation. I'm looking forward to being with Jesus in the end forever. He wants us to be encouraged and he wants us to be encouraging to others as that day approaches. We can win when we see judgment coming. Now look at these verses. Verse 1, chapter 5. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers... You have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of, of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Those are hallelujah verses. If you know Jesus today, those are hallelujah verses. If, if, if in that day when they read that letter, I would imagine that in that gathering of believers, there was somebody who used the Greek word for amen. There would have been somebody that lifted their head, hand and praised the Lord. Let's, let's think about this, and, and I want to show you how God, when, 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 I want to show you when faced with the coming wrath of God, how we can 
be encouraged and be encouraging to others. Three, three truths about the day of the Lord for believers, for those who know Jesus. The day of the Lord is marked by, number one, a reckoning that is sudden. A reckoning that is sudden, but not surprising. A reckoning that is sudden, but not surprising. Now, I need to divide that statement and say, um, if, if, if you're here today not knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the day of the Lord is marked by a reckoning that is sudden, period. It is marked by a reckoning that is sudden. Because in these verses, there is this back and forth between those that are in darkness and those that are in light. There are those that are asleep spiritually and those that are awake spiritually. Now, there are also pictures here of, of uh, being uh, asleep or, or dead physically or awake. Uh, and that means alive physically. But this back and forth of the metaphors. Look at it. He uses this image of a thief at night to show that the coming is sudden and for some can be surprising. He says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there is peace and security. He's saying there will be in our world a time in life where people look around and say, I'm okay, you're okay, they're okay, we're okay, we're all okay, it's all going to work out okay, it's going to be good, I've got what I need to be secure, Maybe I've got my food, I've got my money, I've got my home, I've got my bunker, I, I, I've got, I mean, I'm, there's, I'm secure, I'm, I'm safe. He says, there'll be kind of that sense among some people. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there's peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them. Like a thief in the night. There will be, there's this coming, this surprising. Wait, I thought there was peace. I, I, I thought we were secure. But all of a sudden, what ha when he speaks of generalities he was pointing out he says when when does a thief come you think of a thief doing his work when it's dark and he said in there there will be this come like a thief in the night while people are saying there's peace and security then sudden destruction quick in a moment it, it, it gives this image of judgment is here not okay judgment is here I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a little more time this is our time right now this is the time to prepare for judgment this is the time but there is coming a time that will seem sudden and for some be surprising but listen to this the good news for a believer is even though the coming wrath of God would be sudden it's not surprising it will not be a surprise to you. He says, while people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape, but you, listen to verse 4. We'll go back to the labor pains. Verse 4, but you are not in darkness. But you are not in darkness. Don't miss the, 
don't miss the pronouns. The pronouns divide. He says, will come, sudden destruction will come upon, say that word. What is it? It will come upon who? Them. And then the Apostle Paul goes back, his labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. He's saying to us that the reckoning, the judgment of the Lord, yes, sudden, but not surprising. Why? Because you're not of the dark. The picture in the New Testament, Old Testament picture of the darkness and night was a picture of sin, being separated from God, a picture of light and day, a picture of a new kingdom, a picture of a new residency, a picture of a new citizenship, children of light. And, 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 he, and he's contrasting those two. And if you're of the children of the light, you operate with the characteristics of what happens in the light and what happens in the day. Alert. Awake. And, and the call here is, is even for us to say, live like you are children of the day when you are children of the day. He, he's, he's, he's showing that here's, there's a contrast. There are characteristics of a person who's of the dark or of the night. There are characteristics of the one who's of the light or, and is awake. And the good news for us, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that when this reckoning of God comes, we will not be surprised by it because we are children of the day. Number two, the day of the Lord is marked by a retribution that is definite but not your destiny. And, and again, if you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior today, if you've not believed the good news, then there's just bad news. And, the, and, and he shows here with this picture of labor pains that there is a definite coming judgment of God. It's inescapable. He says there is peace... They, they say there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. The picture there of labor pains would be this uh, perspective of where uh, an expectant mom says, I'm pregnant. One day, labor's going to start. And from what I've witnessed, when labor starts, it's a, it's a new day. It's a new day. And um, I won't go into all the things that happened five times in the labor and delivery room, in my experience. Um, but I learned some there that um, when labor starts, there is a sense of there's no turning back now. We, we, it's, we're rolling. We're going. And, and the picture here that the Apostle Paul uses is that picture of labor pains coming upon a pregnant 
a pregnant woman, and it's, and it's like there's, there's no change in this. Labor is an indicator that um, you're involved in something that's inescapable now. Well, then how can it be good news? How can we be encouraged if there's going to be a time of judgment that comes on because of what verse 9 says. Look at verse 9 again. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. The news is definite, yes. Labor pains is the illustration. The wrath is coming. The judgment of God is coming. Retribution will be paid out. It's definite. But for those that are in Christ, those that believe in Christ, those that have their faith in Christ, those, as we sang this morning, that are covered by the blood, that's not your destiny. That's glorious news that you will miss the wrath of God. Does it not seem almost too good to be true? We know that we've sinned. We know that we fall short of the glory of God. It, it, it's, there's something in us that, yes, there's going to, somebody somewhere along the way is going to pay. That we could sit here knowing that there is a time of judgment, there's a time of wrath, there's a time of retribution, and we would be able to say it's not our destiny. How could that be? Look at it again, verse 9, for God's not destined us for wrath. How, how did that happen? But what? To, ob to obtain salvation. He's saying you will be rescued. You'll be rescued from this wrath. To obtain salvation. How? And I'm, I'm thinking, how do I obtain salvation? I want to miss the wrath of God. Well, uh, there are a lot of efforts being made to obtain salvation. You may be trying today to obtain salvation. You may be doing the balance. Enough good to counteract some bad. Enough years of doing the good stuff, noble stuff, honorable stuff that will outweigh the bad. Apostle Paul says, but to obtain salvation through what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we obtain salvation. That's how we miss the wrath of God. We miss, we get out of the crosshairs of God's wrath through Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. How? How, how does Jesus Christ deal with the wrath of God? How is God's wrath satisfied? Apostle Paul says, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him in his first letter here to these believers in Thessalonica he is preaching to them the doctrine of atonement he's preaching to them that somebody took your place he's preaching to them in the midst of a really hard and difficult time of affliction surrounded by sin here's a theological truth for you to hold your for you to anchor your life into and it's this 
you're not destined for the wrath of God. And you're not destined for the wrath of God because somebody died for you. His name is Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for you. He satisfied the wrath of God. Listen, we, we memorize Romans 3.23 and sometimes we forget that there's a Romans 3.24 and a Romans 3.25. Listen to this. Romans 3.23 says, for, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, we, we present that. They, we all have sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. We've all sinned. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And listen to verse 24. Because of the, Maybe we should pick up verse 22. It says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. He's speaking about believers. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24. And are justified by His grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, propitiation's a big word for 945 in the morning. What does he mean? It, it, it's the word there that means we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But there's been redemption. And God put forward his son, Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life. And Jesus Christ goes to the cross and the Bible teaches us he bore the iniquity of us all. And there he became a propitiation by his blood. What does that mean? It means that he became the satisfaction for the wrath of God. He paid the debt that we couldn't he stood between us and God's judgment and he took the wrath of God for you he paid the price and so today when we think about judgment coming in times coming don't forget there's also a Romans 8 1 that says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus we can be encouraged today even as we look toward the coming wrath of God because that reckoning, though sudden, will not be surprising for us and that retribution, though definite, is not our destiny. Not because of the work you've done, but because absolutely, 100%, because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross by shedding his blood. Come on. Now listen, when you... When we see that, that we look toward the wrath of God as something that won't be surprising and something that is not your destiny, the third mark of the day of the Lord is this. The day of the Lord should be marked by a readiness that builds up and not breaks down. When you look around at what's going on in this world, there is this temptation to despair. We Every, I, it has, every one of us at a moment somewhere have said when we see what's happening in the Middle East and we see countries aligning around different countries and different positions, that thought, is this it? And I don't even know how to describe what it is. We're saying, is this the end? Is it here? Is Jesus coming back? I mean, 
the good news for us is that if it is the end, that before his wrath is poured out, believers are going to be raptured out of here and we're going to be with Christ and it will not, his wrath won't surprise us because we'll be with him when he pours out his wrath. And it's not our destiny, so we won't be here when he pours out his wrath. And I know that gets into different eschatological positions of when you think the tribulation is and Christ's return is. I'm just coming to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. And he says to us, God has not destined us for his wrath. Hallelujah because of the work of Jesus Christ so what do we do we get ready not because we see a date on the calendar we get ready because we know there's a day coming it's not about a date it's about a day and he and he and he says here he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we might live with him who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, that's a picture of whether we're still living here when he comes or whether we have died and were buried when he comes. Whether we are awake or asleep, here's the great promise. We might live with him. I say it this morning, I say it again and again. Friends, it's all about life. It's about life. It's about life with Jesus. That's what he offers. It's about life eternal. And, and, and he's, look at verse 11, therefore, there it is, therefore, in light of this coming wrath, that for some it will be sudden and surprising, in light of this coming wrath, that will be definite and destructive for some, in light of the coming of Christ, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Back in verse 11 of chapter uh, verse 18 in chapter 4 he says therefore encourage one another with these words here he just says therefore encourage one another and build one another up not with these words you may use these words but that's not all he's saying we have work to do now not for salvation we have work to do until Jesus comes back of encouraging one another We've said it several weeks ago. I believe the first Sunday of October. We said, I play a part in encouraging your walk. You play a part in encouraging my walk. You know the big reason we gather here this morning? We're not, we're not checking a box and giving out rewards. You're not going to earn a donut by being here this morning. Here, here's why we're here. The, the long-term ultimate reason that we gather like this is to encourage one another. To encourage one another. And, and that's why we want community. That's why we want to know each other. That's why we sing together. That's why we worship together. It's, it's so powerful in the context of these verses to look at Hebrews. And I want to read more than just the verse that we usually quote about meeting together listen to Hebrews 10 verse 23 let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see, listen, as you see the day drawing near. How do we encourage one another knowing that there's a coming wrath? How do we encourage one another knowing that there's coming an end? These verses tell us to put on spiritual armor and to practice physical actions. It takes spiritual armor and physical actions to encourage one another as we approach the return of Christ. He says in verse 9, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. A breastplate protects the heart. A helmet protects the mind. And he says, cover your heart, cover your emotions with faith and with love and cover your head where you think with hope. And when we face the return of Christ, what we need is a strong faith. We need a steadfast hope. We dress ourselves in spiritual armor. Put on, put on the spiritual armor every day. When you go into this world, Lord, let the helmet of hope be on my head. Let the breastplate of love and faith be on my heart, over my heart. But also physical actions. I'm talking practical, physical actions. And I want you to think about today, how can you operate in the life of someone else to be the encouragement that they need to be ready for the return of Christ? It can be your presence. Like being here matters. Being here matters. When the enemy tries to tell you, oh, it doesn't matter this Sunday, or that gathering doesn't matter, listen, your presence matters. It's so biblical. You can't get around it. You encourage me by being here. And and the, the presence of being together with your family is a huge part as we see the day approaching. Practical actions Letters, texts, smiles, hugs, gifts, prayers. Yesterday, alone, on my back deck, picked up my books, walked out onto the back deck, and my phone buzzed. And I looked down, I saw it was my brother's name. He's four years older than me. And, I, and my brother and I, we don't have an emotional relationship. We use, we, when we talk, it's like, hey, I need you to, or I need you to make sure end of conversation we love each other we just don't spend a lot of time talking about the day and his text I opened it and I noticed it was long and I looked at it and there was a little bit of a jump in my heart it's like what's up and and he looked and he said you said I want to ask our band to go ahead and make their way here as I finish this story but I said he said you said on October 1st in your sermon." Wouldn't it be nice if you had an evaluator that would evaluate you from time to time and say, good job, do it more and more. My brother said, I want you to know that as of today, I'm caught up on all of the sermons in 1 Thessalonians and I'm praying for you right now, hoping that you have a good one tomorrow. I texted him back and I said, "You, you know what? Wow. I just picked up my books to look back over my stuff for tomorrow and I got your text. You know what that was? That was a therefore encourage one another and build one another up. And I want to challenge you, friends. 
it's not real hard. It just takes putting our eyes on other people. One of the hugest things you can do to get ready for the Lord's return is to give your life to encouraging another brother or sister somehow, some way, until we see Jesus. Let's stand together. And we're going to sing a song that celebrates our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us and who is coming again. Sing every word. I need to hear you sing this morning. We need to hear one another sing. We need to hear each other's worship as it's on its way to the Lord. Be encouraged today, friends.